Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Welcome to Talk Tennis. This WTA pro reached a career high ranking of three in the world in doubles and 50 in the world in singles. With two Grand Slam titles, she not only was amazing on the court, but also super active off of it as she was a WTA player council member and has always been really involved with Philip events. In February 2020, she called it quits due to an injury that just never healed right. And it's no surprise that now we're seeing her spend tons of time helping players across the world develop and fall in love with the amazing sport of tennis. She's even started a foundation called Serving Up Hope. Welcome to Talk Tennis, Vanya King. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me. So I kind of want to do a little like rewind because you announced your retirement before all the craziness of COVID last year. And I don't know if you like had a magic ball and like knew something was up or talk about that. Okay. So actually, um, yeah. So obviously once COVID hit, everything went crazy. I I was supposed to retire after Charleston. So um, I was at Indian Wells when the news hit for everybody, for all of the players. And then Indian Wells got canceled very suddenly. And mm-hmm. and then from then on, just steamrolled into what we have now. Um, so I am sorry to say, because I know people are sick of seeing me and um, think that I'm retired, but I actually am going to play just two events next year. The events, so originally it was just going to play uh, the events that I missed, which was Indian Wells, Miami, and Charleston. But now that Indian Wells has been postponed, just Miami and Charleston. And if that doesn't happen, I promise I'm done. Okay. Um, you won't <laughs> see me anymore on court. Uh, I'm, I'm also very ready. You know, when COVID happened, um, I was, I was and am ready to retire. Uh, but I just kind of postponed the decision because everything was so sudden and, you know, like all my plans, I had a lot of plans actually post-retirement. I was already scheduled to go to South Africa for a month long wildlife conservation program that I was going to start my nonprofit in Uganda. And then I was going to move to Australia and start a master's program in Australia and, you know, and live there. So there was a lot of things that, um, all got postponed slash canceled because of COVID. And because of that, I kind of postponed my decision about retirement and then uh, kind of a few months ago decided that I wanted to be able to pick, you know, my last event, even if it's just one event or two events, you know, just to be able to um, say that I I was able to close the page when I want or close the book when I wanted to. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Well, then that's something I was going to ask you, too, is like during this time, are you kind of like, oh, actually, maybe I'm okay. Maybe like everything's good. I'm I'm ready to go full force back into it. But it sounds like you kind of, okay, (laughs) you've come to peace out of it. Not at all. I mean, I definitely like the injury that you mentioned. I had surgery a few years ago and it took a long time for me to realize that my ankle wasn't good enough because you know i started playing started rehabbing and trying to play um as my ankle was healing expecting mm-hmm. a full recovery um which never happened and so it took you know about a year to to realize okay my ankle's not 
good enough, uh, significantly not good enough. I actually did have a a stem cell injection, which helped. Um, So then I kind of restarted the process of healing again, seeing how far it could go, realizing um, I pretty much realized by US Open of 2019, which is a little more than a year ago, that my ankle had peaked. Um, We did well in doubles. uh, And I was realizing my ankle couldn't sustain any more load than I was doing in doubles. And, and even though, you know, we were doing great, um, I just, you know, my whole career has been about playing everything that I could, which is, you know, prioritizing both singles and doubles actually Mm -hmm. singles was my priority for all of my career. Um, and just not being able to do what I want to do on the court, you know, play, like perform the way I want to perform. My body's not moving the way I want it to. Um, you know, is sad, but you know, I, I realized that I, I don't want to be playing like this, so I'm ready to move on. Yeah. I read a quote that you had and I, I just love the way you said it. It was something like I give a hundred percent as a top athlete, you know, as a professional athlete, we're giving a hundred percent and I just can't do that right now with this injury. And that, you know, you kind of think about that when you see players pull out of tournaments and they're just kind of, they're, Oh, I'm injured. And you're like, wait, but you've been injured for a year. Aren't you ready now? Oh. But it totally makes sense. It's like, okay, if I can't give it all, then it's going to be too tough to be out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you see players pulling out of tournaments, there's a variety of possibilities. You know, maybe they're prepping for the next event and they have a little something and want to be careful. Uh, but definitely like in terms of long-term, I think we all go through this um, and non-tennis players too, you know, it's you know something that has been so integral in my life um, to let it go was definitely not easy, but um, through a lot of therapy and uh, tears, oh. <laughs> okay, I'm ready for this. and actually, you know, I'm moving on into great things like, you know, the nonprofit work that I do love and starting my own nonprofit organization, finding something outside of tennis that I'm, I'm just as passionate in as I was in tennis, uh, but definitely not as stressful as tennis. Nothing would be as stressful as tennis ever. Um, you know, was is was definitely a motivating factor for me to, nice. to move forward. Yeah. Well, and talk to me about your nonprofit. You've started it in 2019, which you were still fully on tour at that point. Yeah. So how did it come about? Where did you in your head, how did it, you know, I'm sure you have probably thought about this for years and how did you actually make it happen? Yeah. So I had thought about starting my own nonprofit uh, organization, as you said, for years, I was too scared to do it because um, I just, you know, the more I researched into it, the more um, I felt overwhelmed with all the responsibilities that go along into it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, it's like, it's starting your own business, um, you know, having a startup, but just, it was just me, you know, managing the finances, putting in the money, uh, managing the legal side, the compliance, um, you know, setting up the board, doing, uh, you know, writing up all the documents. So it was just, and that's just, you know, the organizational logistical side and then the actual um, application of it, where was I going to do it? And um, so it was, it was overwhelming for me. Uh, So it took me several years to muster up the courage to do it. Um, I actually, the person that really like pushed me to just go ahead and start. Um, her name's Peanut Harper, and she's a former professional tennis player. She has a nonprofit herself that 
WTA Charities, who I also work for, um, we're partners with uh, Peanut and her husband, uh, Tim's charity. And their charity is called Harper for Kids, and they use uh, John Wooden's Pyramid of Success in schools and talk to kids about success. So anyways, I talked to her, you know, on a personal note of just, you know, really wanting to start my own nonprofit and having an idea about connecting tennis and kids and, uh, but just being overwhelmed with all the potential responsibilities. And she said, I had no idea herself. Like she had no idea what she was getting herself into when she started it. She just threw herself into it. And then things happened. And I said, oh, I can do that. <laughs> Throw myself into it, not knowing what I'm doing. You know, I did, I, I did do a master's in nonprofit management. So I had some background, but you know, it's one thing to learn about it and one thing to actually do it. And so yeah, Peanut was definitely um the person who gave me that that final nudge to to start it. And uh it is still early days. So I I you know, started the nonprofit in the end of 2019, but we didn't get our uh, tax exemption status until early last year. Okay. And then I was supposed to um, go to Uganda mid-year to start our own program. The, the program that I had done before, I did a, a combined legal aid and tennis event. I had a partner in Uganda, a legal aid NGO. And so the, in 2018, I had gone to Uganda and I worked with them. But this was the first time that I was going to do my own thing, start with a new community, with new kids and new volunteers. So uh, it was definitely daunting. And then COVID happened. So that pushed the plans back. Um, and then once Uganda announced that they would open, I think they announced it in like late September that they were going to open October 1st. And I was like, okay, I'm going, you know, I booked it for the second week of October and, and went. So, um, yeah, it's definitely been a long road and the actual, um, implementation of it is just started. So fingers crossed that everything's going to go smoothly and it's going to grow. And, and I'm very optimistic about it. That's awesome. And looking at the pictures, it looked like such an amazing time. It looked like a really cool backdrop also. Like everything was like beautiful and perfect. So oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I thought I was like, dang, oh. it looks awesome. Like it like you just kind of want to like be out there on the court. And the kids were having so much fun. And then like coaches. So talk to me more about what that trip was like. What was a day-to-day kind of situation from, you know, maybe I don't how long were you there for? Was it a couple weeks, a month? Uh so I actually went it I went twice actually okay. in the last two months. And I was there for about seven weeks, seven out of eight weeks. Cause I went there and I came back and then realized that I needed to register or because I had a, a partner there, um, originally, which I thought would be easier. Um, but unfortunately she didn't have any experience with tennis and didn't know what we, we both didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. And <laughs> yeah. So, um, just the amount of work that need, you know, cause we don't want the kids to play once every two weeks, you know, it's not enough. So I think she just didn't realize, she didn't realize how much um, consistency and continuity we needed. So then I went back, realized we needed to register by ourselves. So I went back, I came home for a week, then went back um, to register the organization, which which happened. And um, luckily the volunteers were already in place. Um, So I, the program that I had worked uh, with in 2018, I had met a couple young players, like teenagers that 
are some of the best players in Uganda, mm -hmm. which is great. Uh, but for us levels, it's not, they're not great, but, um, you know, over there. So it was one, you know, trying to develop relationships with the, the people in the community. So, mm -hmm. you know, getting to know the volunteers, finding the right people was definitely a challenge. You know, um, there is definitely a different culture of giving, which is no culture of giving over there. Um, and, And there's also people that do come in and say they want to help and, you know, that maybe they don't have the right intentions. So, you know, some communities are suspicious as well. And so uh, I was lucky enough to end up finding people that I can trust. And um, so two of the, I mean, they're not boys, they're young men now, they're 18. Um, so there are, one is managing the program on the ground. He's the general manager and one is the head coach. And so they're really great in, like implementing the program. And then we also have like our community leaders that are also volunteers that um, help liaison the kids and they're there, you know, to make sure that the kids are taken care of. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things that I didn't realize going into it, um, being a third world country. And I had been to third world countries before, but not like, you know, mm -hmm. like this where, you know, trying to implement a program. So, um, I had thought in the U.S., because our program is based upon the WTA Charities Starter Tennis Program, which is based upon Judy Murray's uh, foundation's tennis program. And she, her program is geared towards girls in the U.K. Um, and the program, it, it can be gender fluid. It doesn't have to be for girls. Uh, it's, it's definitely more welcoming, the Starter Tennis Program, because There's, you know, other equipment such as handkerchiefs and beach balls that might be a little bit more inclusive, not like a ball being hit so fast for a girl. But the challenge in the third world country that I did not realize uh, or to that extent was that there is little to no infrastructure um, for sport, for tennis, for life. You know, so if I, I had a program, but, you know, the kids, they didn't have food to eat. So, you know, for example, like I had to provide we provide food and drinks and um, equipment and the place for them to stay and then like transport, like everything that they need, they mm -hmm. unfortunately don't have because, you know, these kids are eating one meal a day. And so if they go and they play, then they'll collapse if they can't eat, you know, so um, and then, you know, just the differences of culture of how business is done, you know, like there's lots of meetings, like I have have to do everything in person, which was also one of the reasons why I went back again. Um, so lots of, yeah, just different cultural aspects and then working in um, a place where poverty is extreme. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean just because there's a lot of poverty, it doesn't mean that people are, you know, um, they're, they're, they're not like desperate or cruel or mean, you know, they're absolutely lovely people. And I do love working there. And I love the kids that we're working with and the volunteers in the community. So it's definitely, I just feel like there's so much potential, um, you know, for these kids and they're all so athletic. Uh, so I just imagine, you know, if they had the opportunities that I had growing up um, and my family wasn't wealthy growing up, but, you know, even just having the opportunities I had, I mean, I know that a handful of them, if not more, would be able to succeed in whatever they wanted to do, if that was tennis or not. Yeah, that's so awesome. You're literally like giving these kids such a cool chance at like something different that they would never have probably ever experienced if you didn't come into their yeah. lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, tennis. There. So the volunteers in the community that we worked with, 
they thought like there's this perception there that sports is easy, like just mm-hmm. because they don't have the opportunity. So they're like, oh yeah, if I had the opportunity, I would, I would be successful in it. And I'm like, oh, so the volunteers were telling me, yeah, you know, I thought that I just pick up tennis and be really good at it. And these are, you know, guys that never played tennis before. And I'm like, you don't realize how insulting that is to me that I've spent 30 years of my life playing or, you know, 28 years of my life playing tennis to perfect it. But, um, and then once they obviously saw the kids and, you know, started getting involved as well, they realized, oh, there's, there's a long way to go. So, I mean, um, it's one thing to implement the program, but I hope, you know, that one thing that we can really help with is education. It doesn't have to be formal education. It could be mm-hmm. just like this, of you know, opening minds of opportunities and resources and how to communicate and how to socialize and obviously like the physical and um, emotional mental skills involved. But um, yeah, so for us, uh, education, whether it's formal or informal, is incredibly important, especially for the younger generation, because um, the culture that I was talking about Unfortunately, for the older generation, it's just so stagnant and, you know, intractable. It won't really change. And mm-hmm. it's so cliche, but, you know, people say children are the future, but it's, it is true. Like, you know, that's really the only way that things can have like, you know, big change. Yeah. And I've talked to a few other people that are kind of doing similar work. And it's the big thing that I get is that it's just their family dynamic. Like you, this is where you're supposed to go in life and you're eventually supposed to be the one in charge of making the food or harvesting the food or, you know, whatever um, situation. But like, there's never any college. No, like that's not even a thought, like learning beyond a certain age. And so, and it, and I've also been told, and I understand like the third world mentality is so different. Like you don't have dreams and like, future aspirations and I hope that doesn't sound wrong but no not at all so I mean I think I do yeah because technology is is in all third world countries you know so even if it's not as prevalent as it as it is for us you know but they still see billboards and they have Mm. that you know somebody one of their friends has a phone and they can watch tv from you know a bar like outside a bar you know so they I think they have dreams but um they're not like realistic dreams and there's no one to support them to actually achieve those dreams. So, um, you know, they might say, yeah, I want to be like, I've asked a couple, um, juniors, you know, they've introduced me and I see them plan. I said, what is your goals? Uh, I want to be the best. And I'm like, what does that mean? You know, that's great. But what does that mean? How are you going to get there? You know, these are not things that they can actually, um, identify or specify. Mm-hmm. And there's also the people around them because they've never done it or have had experience with it, you know? So yeah, the education piece. So for us, yeah, like the, the one huge challenge is providing access and the resources. But um, for me, a bigger, it's not a bigger challenge, but it'll be a longer challenge is the educational side is, you know, now that you have the equipment, what do you do with it? You know, mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, I need rackets and I need, balls and bands and, you know, all these other types of things, but what do you do with it? You know, is more important afterwards, you know, obviously having it, you need to have it to be able to start, but right. um, yeah. So that's hopefully, you know, little by little over there, it's bottom up as opposed to top down, you know, like change doesn't happen. Unfortunately, from the top down, there's a lot of corruption and just not a lot of support for 
anything outside the government on this, like there's the politicians are very corrupt there. Um, so everything is bottom up, but, you know, hopefully like all you can do is just try, you know, start mm -hmm. little by little and who knows what one person can do. Who knows, like in our lives, right? Like there was people in our lives that were pivotal that if it weren't for this moment or that push that, you know, we wouldn't be where we are. So I just hope that we can do something like that for them. A hundred percent. Now, how many kids right now do you have in the program? What are the ages and have there been any fun stories that kind of stand out where you're like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. We're on the right path. Let's keep it going. <laughs> um, so, well, I have to say that, uh, when I came home after the first trip and then my partner quit because, you know, she's like, this is just too much for me. And I, I did really have my doubts, not in terms of like, I'm giving up or anything, but I'm like, what am I, you know, just in yeah. general. Cause you know, like, I feel like I talk to people and they're like, why are you going to Africa? It's so far away for most people. It's just this fort, like really, really foreign land of maybe just lions and zebras and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know, they're just like, what are you doing? And also, you know, I think the combination of me being at the end of my career, retiring and and it's, it hasn't been easy and I haven't fully, I, I've accepted that I don't want to play anymore. I, I'm at peace with that. But like the it, tennis has been such a, an integral part of my life for so long. Um, I still am sad about losing it, you know, in mm -hmm. that way that I will, I will lose it no matter what, in a certain way, I won't lose it fully. And I can always stay involved, but, you know, I think that as well combined and then, you know, being tennis players, we're always so focused on success yeah. so that like everything we do is defined by success as it, you know, even though we try to say like, stay positive and day by day focus on things that you can control, which is what we do. But obviously we are measured on our external successes constantly. So for me at that moment, like a few months ago, when, you know, I went there to try to stay, like to start the program and stabilize it. And then everything kind of imploded and plus, you know, with COVID happening and I'm stuck at home and not sure what it was. So that was, that was a bit tough, but I went back a week later and actually, you know, did things, it actually was a blessing in disguise because I did things with my own hands. You know, I met with everyone by myself, you know, like visited all of the facilities that I needed to spoke to the people that I needed to, whether, you know, work, everything at the end worked out. Um, so I definitely felt like it was a blessing in disguise that, you know, I now had more confidence in what I was doing and, um, seeing the kids again, seeing, you know, the longer the program goes, the more I see the effect of it. Um, it has only been a few months, but I mean, the kids are now rallying. They can hit forehands and backhands and volleys and serves and like everything is going very fast um, in a good way. So, yeah, I mean, just seeing, uh, just being there, seeing the kids smile and laugh and on a consistent basis, knowing like they know that this is something that they can rely on. Mm -hmm. um, even if it's not something that they're like, I want to be a professional tennis player. And I don't think any of them at this point think that because it's so early, but at least for them to say, I really enjoy this time, you know, that it's, it's an escape from my daily chores. Um, unfortunately, child labor is just, it's, it, it is so common and prevalent that, you know, when, by the time you're three, you're starting to work for your family, whether that's going to, 
get water and you walk, you know, three, four hours or, you know, you bring logs or you, you start breaking stone, like to make money. And there's kids that do this um, and they're happy to, unfortunately, because, you know, it's hard to make money, but they'll be, they'll be working at quarries and breaking stones. And um, so, you know, having this escape for them, for me seeing that is, is really rewarding. I'm not, I'm trying to take it day by day, you know, Mm -hmm. when time, when the time comes, if we get someone that, or get boys and girls that, you know, want to move forward with it. I want to provide that access to them. And I think that I can, um, having been through the path and with my tennis network and now setting this up as a nonprofit. Um, but you know, for now, just, just giving them the opportunity to go out and have fun playing tennis to me is, is so worth it. That's awesome. Um, I was going to ask when you went over there, was it just you? Did you go yeah. with any? <laughs> See, I mean, like, I know, <laughs> like, I'm just thinking, like, because you know, I, <laughs> I know you. Well, okay, so I like, and like, I know you have like traveled your whole life, but like, you always are like, at least when you get to the airport, you have your teammates or you know, friends. Or yeah, whatever. no, it's definitely it was definitely different. Um, I used to travel with my sister. Okay, and um, about three three years. Three years ago, um, you know, who ruined our travel partnership is my niece. That she- oh, <laughs> dang it. I love her, Olivia. She's my, she's my favorite niece. Um, but she did ruin our travel partnership because since then, my sister has just been like pretty much constantly pregnant or dealing with kids. So, um, and then I realized, you know, I, I still love traveling and um, I learned to just travel alone because it's really hard for, you know, my friends to just up and go to Africa or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Patagonia or, you know, wherever I wanted to go, I, it's, I can't expect, like, if I'll invite people, but if they can't come, right. and usually it's, it's a financial thing, or it's by, you know, if, if it's not financial, then they have to work too. So um, it's not easy for people to just often go somewhere that I want to. So I learned, to just travel by myself. And, um, I really enjoyed, I actually feel like, um, it's helped me as a person to become more open-minded, you know, to really, um, em- embrace the experiences and the places that I'm in because, you know, you have to go out and do everything by yourself. And, but for Uganda, I did the first time I went to Uganda, I went on a, a safari, we went gorilla trekking. Um, and I did go with my mom. Nice. So the subsequent times I've gone, I've gone alone, but I kind of knew a little bit of this. And now I'm, very, I'm not very familiar, but I'm quite familiar with the city and where I'm staying. And I now have friends there. And so it's, it's definitely different. Cool. Yeah. And I was going to say now that your mom's probably been there, she's probably feeling better when you go, at no, least knowing no, most moms. Terrified. She's like, why are you going back? Uh, don't go back. And my mom, I mean, I could, I could, you know, a few months ago, no, not a few, this was last year, it was before COVID. I went to get bubble tea at a place 10 minutes away. And I was an hour late because I ended up playing chess with a friend who I went with and an hour late, it was like 7 p.m. And she sent my brother-in-law out to find me. So (laughs) I was in my own town, 10 minutes away, you know, and she was still panicking, like what's happened to Bonnie? So um, I'm I'm the youngest, I'm the baby. So, you know. Yeah, um, moms always have that, (laughs) that that worry, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, I, no, I think I, she also thinks I'm a little crazy, so she doesn't <laughs> know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't worry, mom. Just trust me. Yeah. I'll talk to you when I have a cell service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now I was looking at, you kind of built a little bit of a team, but it sounds like you've kind of gone in and out um, with making sure that you're surrounded by the right people. I did see, and I don't know if she's still involved, but I would assume she probably is. I did see um, a player on your team for, I saw Megan Manassi. I always oh, yeah. think I'm pronouncing her name wrong, <laughs> but I have had a chance to meet her several times. And um, well, yeah, Megan's amazing. Yeah, she's super awesome. So have you had other players want to jump in and help or are they all just kind of like, you're crazy, like we're busy? <laughs> no, and- I mean, I don't think players think that I'm, because as players, we travel so much and we've traveled all over and, you know, especially on like, you know, the future and challenger tour, we've all had our crazy stories of how you had to, you know, make ends meet. So, um, (laughs) my board has always stayed the same. And actually I've been really happy that now that our program has started, because I started it last year, but then COVID just kind of put us on a hiatus. Mm -hmm. And now that our program has started, everyone on our board has been really great, like much more involved just because they can now. And we actually just, um, and my Megan has been amazing. Um, she's our secretary. So, you know, in all the meetings, she like takes our minutes and <laughs> been helping with, um, some of the fundraising and some of the branding. Um, and we actually just, um, voted on two more board members and one is a former tennis player his name's Hans Podlipnik he's a former Chilean tennis player he got to I think top 50 in doubles and maybe 120 in singles so he was a great player in his own right Um, he has a foundation that he started in Chile in 2015 um, in Santiago and they are pretty much like they have the same mission as we do, which is to provide sustainable tennis programs for underprivileged kids around the world. And uh, kind of what we're doing in Kampala, they're there, but they're, you know, six, seven years ahead of us. So they're Mm. definitely entrenched in the community, which is what we want to be doing. Um, And so we've now taken his found, like his foundation's program, the Santiago program, under the serving up hope umbrella. He moved to Seattle recently and yeah, so now he's on our board and we also um, just voted on another board member who is a a tennis fanatic in LA (laughs) and knows several of us and she's um, a lawyer. So yeah, things are definitely moving forward in a great way internally. The hiccups definitely were on the ground, um, but I think knock on wood that everything is sorted because now we have our, now it's, it's, I don't have a partner there. It's me working with our, our team. Um, yeah. So, um, fingers crossed, everything is fine. Nice. So what does the next year look like for you? And when are you going back to Uganda? (laughs) So, um, in terms of tennis, I, yeah, I may or may not have these last events depending on COVID (laughs) or not, but I will be retired (laughs) by April. I will be done you know, you won't have to see me anymore. Um, I think a lot of people love seeing you. (laughs) So, Um, well, I think like, yeah, so there was a confusion of whether I had retired or not. So I know um, now I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And I think that people just assumed because I said I was retiring after Charleston, that once Charleston hit that I was done. Um, But I, 
at the time I had, I was just so much in like shell shock. Cause I had, again, all these like huge life plans of, of moving and traveling. And um, so I just, you know, put everything on hold until I could kind of figure things out, which yeah. still haven't fully figured things out because COVID, you know, is, is still very prevalent and mm-hmm. will be for a while. Um, but ho- yeah, my plan is to go back to Uganda in May or June. And, you know, so, you know, play up until April. Uh, by April, I will be retired. And then there's <laughs> I feel like you have to just keep reminding yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm excited. I, you know, I, I see, cause you know, I have lots of friends on, on tour and I also follow tennis. You know, it's, it's still very much a part of me. Um, and I think this is how we players know, you know, we, we see, we see other players there or we think about the tennis court and if we're like, Oh yeah, motivated or we're like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> like vomit, you know, then we'll know whether we want to do it or and not. And, and I'm seeing these players um, go out and travel and they're in Abu Dhabi and training. And, and I'm like, oh, no, I can't do it. And it's really, uh, and I, I loved it for so long. So I can't say like, Oh my gosh, there's any, like, of course I loved it for so long. And that yeah. life was what I wanted for so long. I think I just got to the point where one, I realized, you know, with my ankle, I wasn't playing the level that I wanted to, and it wasn't worth it for me. And then, um, you know, we do have to sacrifice a lot, you know, when we're in the moment, I think we don't realize it as much because you're just, you're so determined to try to, to get what you want, but we, and I think that injury also made me realize this more because, you know, that we do sacrifice our bodies, you know, that my ankle will never be the same. I now have arthritis in my ankle. You know, I cannot run on it. Um, if there's a certain amount of load that I put on it and then I just get a lot of pain, I get, you know, and, and it makes me worry about also, you know, I started thinking about the rest of my life. I mean, I'm 31. Do I want to have chronic pain? And after my surgery, I had chronic pain in my ankle. Mm-hmm. And so that was, debilitating both physically and mentally and you know really made me think do I want to live a life where I'm impaired if I'm disabled you know do I like and so it forced me to think and when I was younger I mean I, didn't, I was like if I die on the court it's fine you know right like <laughs> I'd like I'd have heart palpitations I'm like I don't care you know I if I die I die like literally there's a thoughts in my head if I die I die but I'm here and I'm gonna try to try to win you know yeah. so and you know and then I you know, from a, a personal standpoint, it, it, I have played for a long time, you know, it is very lonely. Um, it's, it's a lot of sacrifice from a physical, emotional, social, and financial standpoint, because you do have to invest and not everyone makes it and it is very expensive. So yeah, I think I just, now I've, I've realized that, um, I'm, I'm, ready I'm ready to move on and I have kind of already started those steps um and I also got elected to the USTA board of directors nice. so we've got plenty of meetings to keep me busy um, <laughs> plenty of issues especially now with COVID you know I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of things to discuss there as well and continue my work with the nonprofit um, sector so yeah for now I'm, I'm really happy with what I'm doing that is awesome. And you'll never, I, I am sure, and maybe it seems scary to like kind of make that final step away, but I know um, 
tennis will always be a big part of your life. And I think you're on the right path and you're like going to be so happy and fulfilled and you're inspiring people that would never have the opportunity. Plus you're inspiring. I I would assume you're inspiring me. So you're inspiring (laughs) people around, you know, the sport, but also I would think your fellow players could see this and be like, wow, that's such a cool way to continue your legacy after you're done playing. So. Yeah. Well, with my work with WTA Charities, one of my passions is uh, player engagement. And I have to say that most players are very involved in philanthropy. And um, what I would love to see is a little bit more cohesion. And so through WTA Charities, I would love to be able to, you know, not forcing players to say you have to work with us, but to say, hey, here's a platform that if you want to engage with us, or if there's any way that we can help, because WTA Charities is it has been great in terms of supporting players, whether that's, you know, through um, branding or even through grants. Um, so there's lots of ways that, you know, we can support players. So I think that, you know, when, when I was growing up and I think on the tour still, you know, we are very isolated and it's just the nature of our tour, but there's some aspects of it that don't have to be isolated. And yeah. I think, you know, the, the philanthropic arena it shouldn't be isolated. We can do more together. So yeah, I would love to get players um, more involved, more engaged, like more in a cohesive manner. And I would love to see players supporting each other because um, I was so happy and surprised to not surprised, but I was so happy to see that there was, there's a ton of players that give back and they have their own foundations. And if they don't have their own foundations and they have, you know, causes that they really believe in and support um, I would say a majority of players you know, and it's about, and um, through WTA, I would love to, because, you know, being a player, I know a lot of times players are asked to do things when it's not appropriate, like at mm-hmm. Grand Slams and they're focusing on tournaments. But when players have the right time, I know that, you know, in general, like we are all, you know, we all are passionate about certain causes. And um, yeah, so just being able to maximize that for players would be amazing. Yeah, that's true. And I actually, I know Haley Carter is always talking about at every tournament, she kind of tries to find um, someone to connect with, someone younger to connect with. And she gives some of her time to whether it's like talking about tennis or teaching them tennis yeah. and stuff like that. So oh, great. Uh, yeah, there's so there you're right. There's so many players that actually are giving back. And um, I know even for me in the last year, there's obviously been so much going on, but it's been one of my big initiatives to kind of put a little more light into all of the amazing things that are going on in the tennis world, like your foundation and many other foundations. So um, it's oh, been, well, yeah. I can definitely like, we, I could tell you about all the other players that are doing great things because I think, yeah, I mean, um, the more, the more traction yeah the more traction that it gets that people know that what's already existing I think will encourage not just other players but you know this like fans of and just the culture of the sport to be more philanthropic 100% yeah it's it's pretty cool and it kind of like starts leading you to all these cool stories and people that are like making a difference and you know it's kind of like paying it forward a little bit I guess yeah so yeah definitely how can people learn more about your nonprofit? How can they get involved? Where can they follow you? Give me all the yeah, deets. So we are on um, Serving Up Hope is our organization. And we're on uh, all the social media handles. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, except TikTok. I, I don't 
I'm old and I don't understand. I actually don't really understand social media well at all. So unfortunately, (laughs) you can put all the blame to me about the website. So our website. Okay, your website looks great right now. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) Oh, um, well, so we actually are going to rebrand it very soon uh, because I I very much appreciate that, but I, I don't know what the heck I'm doing when I'm you know when it's like techie or social media or branding. I was never good at branding myself as a player, and I'm not as <laughs> I'm not doing a good job with the organization either. Um, but yes, we're out there on all the social media media platforms. Our website is up. Um, you can see a little bit more about our programs. Um, if you are so inclined, you can also donate. Um, through the website, you know, via credit card, or there's also, if you want check or Venmo is also fine. We do not discriminate. Um, and then at Facebook also accepts payments too. Um, but you know, if you just like want to get more involved, I would love down the line to be able, like you said, you know, to get more players, like once we're more established, I, I have, a plan to get players more involved, like bring them there. Um, they don't have to stay for a month, you know, they stay in a hotel and they come and do the, like everything is set up because our program is set up and our program is set up now, but I just want to wait a little bit longer to make sure that, you know, all of our ducks are in a row and we have, um, we have, you know, evidence that like things are working and we can provide, you know, stats on how effective we've been. And um, yeah, but, this year, uh, probably like mid to late this year, I'd love to start, you know, um, bringing people in. And I think, and one of the challenges of that, because I, I know that there's people that would be interested in coming and especially with players and, you know, to, to have them come and support the organization. But um, that also entails more organizing. And so because I've been stretched a bit thin. So that that's just been a little bit of a challenge, but I would love, yeah, as the organization begins to grow. And I think already in the last um, two months, like things have really accelerated rapidly, like faster than I thought. Um, Like we have enough donations for, like we got in the last two months, enough donations for six months. So yeah, things have been going really great. Um, And so, yeah, once, once I can kind of like work with the team, then we'll start planning more things that, you know, that people can get involved in beyond just donating. I love that. And at Tennis Warehouse, I don't know if our listeners are aware, it's a fairly new thing as well. We have a community outreach page. So we're definitely going to have a section to spotlight everything that you guys are doing. And we'll link to this podcast episode, we'll link to your website, we'll link to your social and be sure that anyone that wants to learn more, they have an easy path to get there because I think people would be super stoked to help out. I also have to say, because I I do help out a little bit here and there, um, and I'm so thankful to work for a company that is happy to donate, but I'm I'm sure our listeners out there know the expenses of tennis, but even just the expense of tennis balls is actually insane. (laughs) So, and as a player, you probably know that too. Well, actually in Uganda, um, they... The challenge, a huge challenge is accessing equipment. Tennis balls there, tennis balls in the States are expensive enough and they cost what, like three to five dollars a can. Yeah. Tennis balls there, when you're thinking of the average person making a hundred dollars a month, tennis balls there costs 10 to 15 dollars a can. And there's no, you cannot access 
rackets there. They all have to be imported secondhand because there's no distributors there. So, um, yeah, anyway. Well, I did also, okay, two things. I wanted to shout out that you guys have been amazing. Tennis awesome. Warehouse did donate rackets and equipment to us, and the kids are loving it. Um, and very much, we so much appreciate your support. Um, and then I think that you had asked me earlier about like the ages of the kids and how yeah. many kids, and I don't know if I've ever answered that. And <laughs> I feel bad because then people won't even know what we're doing. Um, so yeah, we have um, about 60 kids in our community program. And so our community program is held twice a week for two to three hours each time. We go to the community. It's a, There's 11 slum communities in Kampala. And so we work in one of them. And our goal is to eventually reach all of them. Um, and we go to, they have a community pitch, which is basically a dirt field um, that is, uh, you know, we share it with cows and goats and poop and you know, dirty wow. cans and trash and yep um so <laughs> and, and the kids and so we go there twice a week and uh do this community program for 60 kids and then twice a week separately we have a group of our high performance kids which are the kids that have shown more promise and are improving faster and we take them to a tennis court um actually a couple like a tennis facility there's two courts and uh they play there for two or three hours nice. as well so those kids get four times a week of tennis and then the community program is run twice a week. Wow. That's really oh, and cool. Sorry. And they're uh, four to 12 years old. Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, gosh, one four. of our best. Yeah. No, one of our best. So we have, you know, a, a fitness side, which is jump ropes and cones and plyometrics, et cetera. And one of our best jump ropers, our best athlete, she's four. Her name's Faith. And she can jump rope, like double jump. She can jump rope like a hundred in a row. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Like then you just think about someone who's four, you literally like in the next couple of years, who knows? Yeah, like, exactly. Who knows? That's so yeah. cool. Well, I appreciate you jumping on here to talk all about this. I'm really excited and I'm going to be keeping tabs on you. <laughs> Hopefully you don't mind. Oh, please. Yes. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Is there anything else you would like to share with the audience or anything else that we should know? Um, and hopefully maybe we can check back in and, you know, at the end of the year and see how it's going. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, not much about, <laughs> I think with, with the tennis side, um, I hope to see you guys, you know, in Miami or in Charleston, uh, that will be my, my final hurrah. <laughs> and if it doesn't happen, then, you know, I shall, um, maybe not gracefully, but I shall, you know, ride away in the sunset. Um, and then in regards to the program, yeah, I mean, like, I just hope that, you know, people will, we'll follow it and maybe just take a look at some of the photos and the videos. And, um, if you ever want to get in touch, just, you know, shoot us a message or, you know, my, all the contact information is there. And, um, and thank you, Michelle, so much for, for letting me, um, talk about my story. Yeah, of course. I am so excited. I'm excited for you to play your final tournament. I think it will be Awesome. And I'm hoping like fingers crossed. I was so excited to turn on the TV today and see live WTA. Tennis. <laughs> so yes, yes. I, I'm not envious, but I did. I did watch some clips because, you know, I, I need a little bit of my tennis fix. 
I know, right? Same. I was just saying yesterday, I'm like, okay, it seems like it's been a really long time since I've seen any yeah. live tennis. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for chatting. As I mentioned, we're going to link everything in the show notes. We're going to have everything. So anyone that wants to get involved or learn more, it's going to be super easy and really appreciate you talking to us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Michelle. We'll stay in touch. Yes, definitely. (laughs) I know I might have to book. I keep threatening to book these trips to like go do some of this stuff and you're welcome to come. I am yeah. like, I you're will, no, I will literally shoot. I have a list of people that I will harass. Um, and I will add you onto the list. Please do because you, <laughs> I mean, I have a similar vibe where I'm just like, I'm going to go travel by myself. <laughs> like, don't worry about me. <laughs> I like yeah. doing that kind of stuff. You know, you really get to like learn about your surroundings and meet cool people. So, uh, this kind of sounds up my alley. I love tennis obviously. And teaching new like seeing passion and like the sparkle in other people's eyes when you're on a tennis court there's something very rewarding about that so yes no I'm definitely you're on my list now cool <laughs> um, and yeah it's a it's a unique experience to the last time I went I started I was warned not to but I started taking the motorbike taxis because oh. they're everywhere and that's the easiest way to get around okay but um these guys are crazy uh they like not just don't have helmets but they go on the wrong side of the road they ride on the sidewalk you know they're like weaving through traffic with cars going all different ways so <laughs> yes you will not have a you will have an exciting time okay an adventure <laughs> put me down yeah. for an adventure yeah. Yes, definitely. Very cool. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but thank you again. And yeah, so awesome. Super exciting. And we're going to get more people involved and get more traction going. Perfect. Thanks, Michelle. Take care. You too. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you download your episodes. And be sure to visit our websites for all of the tennis deals at tenniswarehouse.com, tenniswarehouseeurope.com, and tennisonly.com.au. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and until next time, happy hitting. This week, I don't know if it's like just the first full week of the new year or what, but I have been like... Chuck it up to COVID. Seriously. (laughs) COVID's messed up everything.